Um, this morning, I want to look relatively briefly uh, at a fabulous story of Jesus healing uh, a little boy in a story in Mark chapter 9. We're going to have a look at that story, and I'm going to retell the story uh, in my own words, rather than read through the whole scripture. I'm going to draw in some other information that we can pick up from Matthew and from Luke. And I then want to focus on a little section that goes on, a little exchange that happens between Jesus and a person in the story uh, about faith and about what our faith should be like. And then we are going to invite God to come and minister to us. I was so struck with John's picture this morning that he shared in a prayer meeting, he shared at the beginning of the meeting here, that God wants to encounter us. And it's like those uh, connectors you get at airports where you have all the different connections. Whatever sort of person you are, there's a connection for you to have this morning with the living God. Okay? And this morning, we are going to come again and push into God and take a step of faith towards him and say, yes, Lord, I want to connect afresh and anew with you. I recognise the need I have within me and I want to take hold of you this morning and I want to receive what you have for me and go on in faith with you. So now the story in, um, the story in Mark, there's a family who have a single child, uh, an, uh, an only son. But the son is both deaf and dumb, can't hear, can't speak, and also suffers from some fits. And those fits are very stressful for everyone concerned. It causes great anxiety within the family, and they're concerned about that. And they have identified, we don't know why they've, how they've identified this, but they've identified that it's an evil spirit that's causing this, this issue with this particular child. And then they hear about Jesus. They hear about the ministry of Jesus going around, seeing people healed, seeing people set free and released from evil spirits. And they think, they wonder to themselves, could he help us? So they hear that he's come close to where they live. So the father takes the son with him, heads off to find Jesus, and he finds where Jesus was, but then he's told, no, Jesus isn't here. He's up a mountain. He's taken three of his followers and gone up a mountain to meet with God, and there's a, what we call the transfiguration has happened at the top of this mountain. And this man is left just with the disciples to help him. So he says to the disciples, because he knows that disciples have the authority of the person, their guru that they are following. So he says to them, can you please heal my child? Now we read a few chapters earlier that the disciples, or 72 of them, had been sent out by Jesus. Jesus had given them authority to cast out demons and heal the sick. And they came and returned back successful in that mission. So the disciples, I guess, saw this child and thought, right, let's do this again. But they didn't pray. Perhaps they just relied on past experience. Perhaps they relied on what had happened previously, but they didn't take the chance to pray. So they 
do whatever they did to try and get rid of this evil spirit from this child and nothing happened. And that caused there to be controversy amongst the group and it attracted the attention of the teachers, of, of the Jewish teachers at the time, into that situation. And an argument ensued between the disciples and these teachers. And we're not told what this argument is about. Perhaps it was about what authority they were healing in. Perhaps it was a, a Sabbath question. All these sorts of things are happening. And then Jesus turns up. Jesus has come down from the mountain, this point of meeting, this transfiguration mountain, this amazing experience they had, comes down the mountain and walks into this crowd that are arguing. And he basically says, what's up? What's going on? And you'd expect it would either be that the chief teacher would respond or or maybe one of the disciples would respond and, and tell him what's happened. But it's the father. The father responds and he pipes up and he, he, he tells Jesus the story of what's happened. He tells Jesus about his child and the issues that he's got. And um, he, he's basically, this father's faith has been bashed. He brought his child to the disciples to be healed. But it hasn't been healed. And he is um, thinking now that disciples are ineffective. Perhaps he's also thinking, well, is Jesus effective as well? And he begins to kind of question the ministry and he ends up with this question to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And it's that which Jesus picks up straight away. He replies, if you can, everything is possible for him who believes. And then the father responds with that well-known phrase and a prayer that we have oft prayed ourselves. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. A large crowd is joining in with this kind of conversation and Jesus, to kind of stop uh, any more stress happening, casts out the evil spirit from that child and it goes and leaves him. The child falls to the floor, Jesus picks him up and the child from that point is healed by Jesus. The spirit has left him. Jesus has healed him. And the disciples are like, oh, what happened there? How, why couldn't we do that? What, what was the reasons there? And Jesus just, we don't kind of know all the details, but he draws them aside and says that some spirits come out, they need prayer to be delivered. So maybe there's something in the preparation that these disciples are going through that they missed out on that time. And it's that exchange between the Father and Jesus that I want to focus on this morning. The whole issue of faith and unbelief. So if you've got your Bibles, it's Mark 9, but the particular verses are 21, 24. From 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. And it's often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us 
and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Isn't that such an honest and disarming assessment of what our faith can so often feel like? It's certainly mine so frequently. We can have faith for something and we can say, yes Lord, yes Lord, and we can be in a context like this or in a, a, a Christian conference or something and everything is, yeah, 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 let's go for this, let's go for this. Faith rising within us, we can do all things. But then the cold light of day, on that Monday morning, the, the what-ifs, can so easily trickle into our minds. It's our human nature that then kind of respond to that faith and say, well, what if, did, 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 was that really God? Did, did I really hear God? Was it, was it just me? Has someone coerced me into thinking this particular way? What would my parents think? What are my children going to think? What's my boss going to think about this particular thing? What if it doesn't quite work out? And we can have all these other things from that message, from that experience of faith, all these other questions come into our minds. And that's just a human perspective. We also have an evil one who, who fuels those sorts of questions, who then plants other thoughts we hadn't even thought of into our minds to undermine what God has spoken to us about. I have faith. Help me overcome my unbelief. And it's so wonderful to have a story like this in the Bible that says, it's okay. People have experienced this before. Because God can help you and put that belief and overcome unbelief in those situations. And we can go to a story like this and get encouragement. It's a wonderful recognition of how frail and, frankly, useless a lot of humans can be. We are weak vessels. We don't always have the right answers. We don't always act rationally. We don't always act in the right way God wants us to go. But God's got grace for that. And we can come to him and say, yeah, cool, I believe you, Lord, but help me. Help me in my unbelief. I need to overcome that. I, I am a, 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 a clay jar. I've got beauty within me, but I'm just a clay jar. Please help me, Lord. And Jesus' response is, once again, a very interesting and revealing statement. Because he says, everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible for one who believes. So what does that mean? It, it, it can, you, you can interpret it to think, well, if, if you believe, about, believe something, then you can do it. Like human flight. If you really, really believed a human could fly, you could stand, I could stand here, 
And if I really, really believed it, I could do it. I have flown. Normally I have to pay a lot of money and got in an aeroplane. And I was reflecting this morning, occasionally I have flown when I have crashed my bicycle. It was a good takeoff. The landing was not so um, stylish, shall we say. But Jesus can't mean that, can he? I think what Jesus is getting at is, is who are you believing in? Everything is possible if you have faith in what I, Jesus, can do for you. Everything is possible if you believe in what Jesus, what God, can do for you. The miracle does not depend on the, 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 the degree, the, the quality or the amount of the man's faith, but rather his faith being linked into the person of Jesus. It's not about what our faith looks like, it's what our faith looks to. We're looking to Jesus in all of our circumstances in our life. It's like the other example that Jesus used is, is, the, is the faith as small as a mustard seed. Just look at your hand now. I mean, can you imagine a mustard seed in there now? Can you imagine how small that is? But could you, could you have that much faith? I'm not asking you for this much faith, great big amount of it, but can you believe God for a mustard seed faith? Can you trust him for that? Come to the faithfulness of God and receive that. So it's not about quantity, amount of faith, but rather on the power of the one who we are joined in faith to. And that faith that we have still has room to grow. And as we go on in our Christian life, hopefully, slowly by slowly, our faith can grow and increase. Our expectations can increase. But we can cry to Jesus, I have faith, I have, that, I have that mustard seed, but give me more, see it grow, give me courage to take that steps of faith. I believe in you, help me overcome, help me have courage in going forward in you. It's not a case of having to, to stand on the edge of a precipice and screw your face up, say, I believe, I believe, I believe, and then try to slap your hands or something. We are trusting in what Jesus has done. We are trusting in his goodness. We are trusting in his love. We are trusting in his faithfulness to us as we come into these situations. And this morning we are going to be pushing in and asking the kingdom of God to come in power as we pray for people who are struggling with things, with that sicknesses, healings, miracles, whatever that may be. Because that is the future hope that we have. We dream, we read about this future hope of the kingdom come in its perfection. Where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more sadness. That's the heaven that we're, we're heading towards. The future kingdom. But Jesus has won away when he, in his life, he 
enabled the kingdom to come into our reality now. It has come, but it's not come fully. We live in between the times. When we see miracles, when we see healings, when we see salvations, we're seeing this future reality come into our present reality. Unlocking. And we pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we, we just cannot imagine what this future glory is going to look like. It's, it's beyond our imagination. It's, it's a paradigm shift. And I was trying to, I, mean, I don't know how you can kind of like try and think of how to describe the impossible, but I had a go to this this week. Um, in 1952, in the, the, the coronation of the Queen, lots of people went out and bought or rented a television. I won't ask how many people remember that. I've seen it on, on television. Uh, but these things were like th- this, this size, if you see them on TV, and then the screen was about this big, and it was black and white and very grainy. And from what I've heard is that loads of people would say, why have you got a television? So the, the room was filled with people squinting to see the Queen being, uh, received, being a cor- coronated. Coronation of the Queen. Thank you. <laughs> Crown on the head. Um, and that was, that was TV then. Early 50s. <laughs> I see that hand. <laughs> Someone's owning up here. When we watch TV now, we can watch it in high definition. We can have surround sound. We can have um, 3D TV. We can have, I think we're getting into that, virtual reality TV as well. So could you imagine someone going from the 50s to now bring them up to what we currently have as TV? It would blow their minds. It's a paradigm shift. Our reality now, when we come to heaven, we may think what what we're going to see, but it's like black and white TV in our minds. When we get to heaven, it's going to blow our minds about how glorious it is, about how wonderful it is. How we can rejoice. And what we're doing is we pray God's kingdom to come. We're praying, praying for that future, that glorious future, to break into our present reality. And as that happens, we see people released. As that happens, we see prisoners set free. We see the sick healed. We see uh, people that are, are, are locked in things, released from what's been holding them back. Because it's that wonderful reality breaking into our present. It's heaven coming to earth. And by the grace of God, I can speak about these things happening in our recent history. Just a few weeks ago, just to remind you, we had someone in, the, in our, we had Mark DuPont with us a few weeks ago. We had someone on the very first night during the worship time, before they'd been prayed for, he felt a real, he had a bad back and he felt a real release in the pain in his back and is able to worship freely in that time. There's, we had a lady who was healed, her knee was healed, and her grandson now wishes her, heal, her knee was not healed because she now chases him round the house and can catch him. And we had a student who was with us, I think he twisted his knee, couldn't walk that well, we prayed for him and apparently he ran down the spine road and back up because he knew his knee had been healed. 
I'm not going back to some dusty history book to tell you this story. It's just a few weeks ago. And it's wonderful to have those stories. At the same time, friends, we know people who are not healed in the instant, in that moment, or even some days later. We also prayed during one of those meetings for a 12-year-old lad who's got a very serious brain tumour. Haven't yet seen a breakthrough in that. But I believe they will be healed in this future coming kingdom. We haven't yet seen it in our reality today. One of the issues with having this kingdom view is that if we don't see someone healed straight away or the next few weeks as we go forward, there's a danger we kind of sit back and think, oh, okay, well, God's not going to work then, so I don't need to continue on. I think we need to learn a little bit to persevere. We are so into our instant. Everything's got to be now, 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 now. Whereas as we read through the Bible, as we read stories of people like Abraham and Moses, God's time takes decades for people. God has his own time. And I've, I felt that when Mark was here, a couple of things he said just really, I felt, challenged me about persevering in many of these areas. To not just kind of think, okay, well, we've prayed, that's it. If the kingdom's come now, well, it's fine. But actually persevere to carry on praying, to continue to seek God. And it might be this morning that you were prayed at a Mark DuPont conference or you were prayed six months ago and nothing yet has happened. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you. As a church community, we don't think that you're not loved by God or you failed in some way. We want to come alongside you afresh and say, come on, let's push in together. Let's see what God is going to do today and not give up on seeing that future kingdom breaking in to our present reality. Soon, uh, schools are soon breaking up. Uh, I know that many people have been away on a holiday already. And being away or just kind of having a different uh, rhythm to life can sometimes give you opportunity and more time um, and meeting different people and that sort of thing. So as I'm talking about healing, I wanted to equip you that maybe in the next few weeks, you, may, you, you yourself may get a chance to pray for healing. I've shared this stuff before. I'm not ashamed to sh- share it again, because the more we hear it, it just encourages even myself, the more we hear it, we want to go forward. And even this week, I've been particularly asking God for an opportunity to pray for someone on the streets who, um, who, who needed healing. And guess what happened? Nothing happened this week. So I'm, I'm not a story. But I'm going to continue doing that. So just in, in telling you these, this, this equipping, hopefully it helps you uh, just be on, on that front foot sometimes. So you come across someone and you can just offer to pray. But, but you may ask me, well, how do I do that? Firstly, we're going to pray later on today for the gift of healing to be released. Um, I believe there is a a gift of of healing and a gift of faith alongside that. But just to kind of help, um, 
when Jesus was on earth, he did not heal in a particular way. There's no magic words you've got to say. There's no set routine you've got to say. But I, I have found a, a, just a, a, a four-way um, a, a four of praying or of encountering um, seeing healing. So I just want to share that now. Um, there's, there's four elements are engage, invitation, call in healing, and inquire. So I've never quite put all those things together, but that's the thing I've got. If anybody can think of a really sharp way of communicating that, I'd love to hear, but that's the best I could do. So the first one was engage, invitation, call in healing, and inquire. So the first one is to engage. Now this is an obvious one. It's like, hi, I've I've seen you limping. Is there a problem? What's, What's happened? You just engage with someone. You talk to them. Jesus did that. How long has a child been sick? So engage with someone. Um, and something that I found really helpful, and I don't, I must admit, I don't oh, every time do it every time, but if someone is in a physical pain, and that may sound strange, but ask them if you could put that pain on a scale from zero to ten, where zero is no pain and ten is like awful pain. And it's hard to do sometimes, but and we'll come back to why I do that a bit later on uh, through the process. Um, and then. You might want, if they're, not, if they're not Christians, you might want to explain what you're doing, who you're praying to. Um, I always ask, if I don't know the person, ask for permission, if I can put my, place my hand on them in an appropriate place. I'll let you work that one out. Um, and then uh, you get to invitation. And this is where you can invite the Holy Spirit to heal. It's the Holy Spirit who brings healing into our bodies, into our minds, into our spirits. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. So you invite the Holy Spirit to come. And then call in the healing. Jesus never prayed for healing. As you read through the stories, he never prayed. He spoke healing. He touched. He announced. He commanded. And he has given us authority to see the sick healed. To release the captives. So when we come to, 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 for healing... We, we, don't have, we, 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 we can pray, please Lord pray, but we've got authority to bring that healing now in the name of Jesus. It's through the cross and the resurrection of Christ that we have secured the victory over sin and death and sickness. And we stand on that because we're doing it in the name of Jesus. It's as if Jesus is alongside us doing that for him. So we call in the healing. If, if you can like, I sometimes if I know a bit about the body, I can mention a muscle or I can mention it's, it's a, a nerve thing that needs to be sorted out or settled out, whatever. If you've got some skills in it, use those skills to just call in the Holy Spirit to bring healing in Jesus' name. And it doesn't have to be a long prayer. It can be a short prayer. The next step takes some courage. Enquire. How are you now? It would be so easy to pray for someone and walk away, wouldn't it? I pray for someone healed. That's great. But actually, inquire to them. Say to them, how are you now? And you can have one of three responses. The first one, you don't need to ask sometimes, is because they're, yes! They can end up jumping around because they've felt pain that they've been under, they've been carrying for some time. If, if they have been innocently healed, that pain goes and they are released, they're rejoicing and you know that. I remember some years ago in India, I had a lad, we were praying for a toothache 
And um, I didn't need the interpreter to tell me that his toothache had gone. Because he went from this kind of dull face to great big smiley face like this. Great, praise God. That's one response. The second response is that they um, haven't been totally healed, but they feel a bit better. And I find this really interesting because people get quite embarrassed for you. They say, well, you've, you've tried to help me, but I'm only a bit better. And it's like, oh yeah, only a bit, uh, you, you've tried your best, but it hasn't really worked. And I've learned to turn that around from a negative into a positive. To say, wow, so we, we, we've prayed and your pain has gone down. They're like, yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? We've just been standing here in Durham and your pain has been with God. And then suddenly the light comes on. Wow, yeah, I suppose it is. And then we can pray again and see if that, that, that pain comes on. And that's where these numbers come in quite helpful. So if someone's on a seven um, and they start out and say, well, yeah, it's, it's gone down. You've got, How much has gone down? Well, it's about a five now. Wow, amazing. Let's see if we can really push that pain down to a lower number. Um, the third response is that nothing has happened at that moment. And they, a person can be quite deflated, they've come with faith and expectation. And it's really important to encourage someone to keep praying, to keep push, persevering, keep, pe- keeping pushing to God. Not all healings, I think, I think probably minor, minority of healings, will happen in that moment. But keep pushing in, give time for the God and the Spirit to minister uh, to that person and encourage them that God still loves them, God still wants them, he cares for you uh, and, we, and we can go on in faith with that. Whew. So that's a little bit of equipping. If you get an opportunity, next few weeks ahead, next few months, engage with someone. What's going on? What's up? An invitation to the Holy Spirit. Call in the healing you're praying a Holy Spirit heal in the name of Jesus. And then ask them, how is it now? How do you feel? Can you, can you move what you couldn't do? Can, can you do what, raise your hand or whatever it is. Don't raise your hand if it's your leg. That wouldn't work. You'd work that one out. Um, it'd be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, I've been healed, but my leg was a problem. <laughs> so when the band could come up, um, we, uh, what I'd like us to do is to uh, go back into worship and to... Really focus, once again, on Jesus. Uh, we come to him as our great healer. We come to him as our great restorer. And it's all through what he has done that we can even see, uh, us being saved anyway, but, but um, the, the healing of, of and the, the kingdom coming into the present reality. It's all through what Jesus has done. I mean, they're gonna, we're going to pray, we're going to have time, Lots of time, lots of time to fall, lots of time to minister, to pray, and really to see where God leads us forward. Um, I know there are a number of people who may have um, another spiritual gift as words of knowledge that helps encourage someone to come forward about a particular issue to be prayed for. Uh, and we'll look at those in a few moments as well. But why don't we all stand and we'll focus on Jesus as we worship together.